morning. In your Bibles this morning, Luke chapter number 2, Luke chapter number 2, when we come to verse 25, Jesus has already been born, the shepherds have come to see him, and uh, several days have passed, Jesus is going to be circumcised, and then he's going to the temple. And uh, all this is happening because Joseph and Mary, the best they know how, they're going to try to raise this child for the glory of God. And they're just obeying God's word and doing things the way they know to do them according to God's word. And they're trusting the Lord. And uh, when they take Jesus to the temple, uh, he meets up with a man named Simeon. A man named Simeon. As far as we know, Simeon was... Uh, just a regular guy. I don't have real proof that he's a priest or anything like that. If you know of some proof, I'd be glad to see it and, and uh, be, stand corrected. But as far as I know, Simeon was uh, just a regular old guy that was trying to serve the Lord with his life. And God's going to use him in a big way. God's going to use him to uh, uh, encourage and help Mary and Joseph. And God's going to bless him. And uh, let him see and hold the Christ child and uh, see the Messiah. And, uh, Simeon's quite the guy. We're going to look at Simeon this morning and ask the Lord to help us. Will you follow along with me as we read God's word together? Verse 25. The Bible says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. According to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. That the thoughts of many hearts may be re revealed. We're looking at Simeon this morning. And Simeon is quite the guy. God has a lot of good things to say. about. When I think about Simeon and these first few verses that we read about Simeon. Uh, I'm encouraged to see that the Holy Spirit of God said, let me tell you about Simeon. And he's got some kind things to say about Simeon. And just a little note. Uh, Simeon, God had something good to say about Simeon. That's good. Now let me tell you something. We should yearn our hearts to please the Lord with our lives. You may have folks who think that you're this or that, but when God speaks about you and God is thankful for you and God is pleased with you, that's what matters the most. Let me tell you something. You don't have to be perfect for God to plead, to be pleased with your life, but you need to live for him. And our desire as Christian people should be to have a life and lead a life that's pleasing the Lord. And uh, Simeon, God thought highly of Simeon. And we're going to look at him today and some things I hope will help you as we study this man Simeon as I preach 
on Simeon. Let's consider, first of all, his person. Number one, his person. Who was Simeon? Uh, what kind of guy was he? What does the Bible have to say about Simeon? As far as we know, Simeon was just an average Joe, but Simeon was a man that God was going to use in a big way. Uh, the Bible says in verse number 25, his consideration of his person, who he was, the Bible says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. In that verse, the Bible tells a whole lot about Simeon. The first thing the Bible says was that Simeon was just. You see that word just? We've talked about that recently because uh, the Bible also said that Joseph, when Joseph and Mary, uh, when Joseph found out that Mary was expecting a child, uh, the Bible said that Joseph was a just man. And when we think about uh, being a just man, God puts a lot of stock in being a just man. That word is, is, is pretty simple, uh, but let's talk about it a minute. God says that Simeon was just and this was good. The word just goes along with the word justified. And it means that, uh, that the things that Simeon did, he made sure that his actions, his thoughts, the way he lived his life, life were, was justifiable in the sight of God and God's word. His, his actions made sense. They were justifiable. We, we should make sure that we are, with God's help, that we're just people. Uh, we're, we're just, we, we do things that make sense. Have you ever been around somebody that did things that just didn't make any sense? And their actions weren't justifiable? Well, the Bible says you ought to strive to be a just person. And Simeon was the kind of man that was just. His actions made sense in light of God and God's word. He was just. He was an honest man. He was the kind of man that did things that was right and righteous. He didn't do things because of his lust. He didn't do things because of his own personal drive. He did things because it was right. He was a just man. And Simeon is an example for all of us. We should make sure that the things we do make sense. We should try to please the Lord with our lives. He was just. Simeon was a just man. And the Bible gives uh, praise to Simeon for being just. He gives praise to Joseph for being just. And we should learn in this Christmas season that we should be just. Look, does the anger you have make sense? Is it justifiable according to God's word? If it's not, you're not just, and you should strive to be a just man. Are the emphasis of your life, do they make sense? Are they righteous according to God's word? Are they justifiable? If they're not, you're not just. Is the bitterness that you hold in your heart, is it justifiable? No. You need to be just. Does it make sense that you're acting the way you are and living the way you are? God wants us to be just. He wants us to be just, justifiable. He wants us to be right, and Simeon was just. Let me tell you something. We should yearn in our hearts to be just. He didn't stop there. The Bible says not only was he just, he was just and devout. Just and devout. I love that word, devout. I love the word devout. Now, some people think about the word devout and it's got a negative connotation. Now, you can be devoted to the wrong thing and it'd be bad. But let me tell you something. If you are devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ and you're devoted to God's word, you'll find yourself devoted to the right things. It's good to be a devout person. I wonder, is it your testimony before the Lord that you're a devout Christian? You should be. Devout. 
I pray that it was, becomes the goal of our hearts to be devout. We should be devout to our spouses. We should be devout to our family. We should be devout to our jobs. We should be devout. We should be devoted people. But ultimately, we should be devoted to Christ. And until you're first devoted to Christ, you cannot be as devout with all the other things in life as you should be. Devout. Some of us men, we would like to be known for this and that and what have you. But I'll tell you, we should yearn our hearts to be known as a devout Christian. Known as a devout Christian. I'm thinking in my heart through the years of, especially in men that God raised up through the Chihuahua Baptist Church who have gone on to glory now, that we would describe as in our hearts as devout. You may know some that were scoundrels. But I know folks that God used to influence me that were devout, devoted. Let me tell you something. If you could set a goal in your life, you should set a goal to be like that. You should set a goal to be like that. I can think of many devoted, devout women that God has raised up through the years through our church. And I'm grateful for them. And I'm grateful for their influence. And let me tell you something. You should set it as a goal in your heart to be like that. And God said, let me tell you something about Simeon. God didn't say Simeon had that much money in the bank account. God didn't say Simeon could bench press. God didn't say Simeon had this big of a farm and this much land and this many watts. He didn't have, God didn't say Simeon could fight with the best of them. God didn't say, he didn't, he didn't laud Simeon for some earthly thing. And none of those things are in themselves bad. But God said of Simeon, let me tell you something about Simeon. Simeon is a devout Christian. He's devoted. He's devout. Let me tell you something. If you've set any goal higher than being devoted to the Lord, you've set an inferior goal. And God, I pray, will work in your heart. You see, when you're devoted to the Lord, when you're a devout person, when you're a devoted Christian, guess what happens? The byproduct of being a devoted Christian is you'll have success and you'll thrive in other areas too. But the key and the first thing that we need to pay attention to is the devoted life. I think it's so important that God highlights for us that Simeon was just and devout. I pray you'll make it your goal to be a devoted, devout Christian. The Bible continues to describe Simeon in verse 25. He was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, Simeon was waiting on something. He was waiting on the consolation of Israel. Simeon was the kind of guy that had sat back and he had noticed that God's people needed something. He, he knew that God's people needed a Savior. He knew that God's people needed to wait on God to provide a Savior. And so Simeon, in his heart, he was waiting on the consolation of Israel. He was waiting on the sending of the Messiah. I'll tell you some good news. God sent the Messiah more than 2,000 years ago. We're not waiting on him anymore. He's already come. He's already done his work, completed his work, resurrected from the dead, ascended into heaven, and he's coming again. We have him. We're not waiting on the consolation of Israel anymore. We've got him. But I'm telling you something. You need to learn to wait on God. You see, Simeon was the kind of guy who'd learned that he had to wait on God. If he was going to have what he really needed, if he was going to get the strength that was necessary, if he was going to have the completion and the, the righteousness that was, need, that was needed, he was going to have to wait on God. 
God's people, we need to learn to be waiters. When we look at Simeon, we need to learn to wait on God. How many of you love to wait? Isn't it wonderful? We talk about this often, but just think about how often waiting comes up in Scripture. I don't preach the same text over and over again, but I'm preaching through large portions of Scripture over the last five years as your pastor. I've preached through lots of Scripture. But time and time and time again as we study God's Word together, we find out this emphasis on waiting shows up. And Simeon, God says, he was waiting on the consolation of of Israel. Simeon wasn't the kind of guy that was going to that was going to cheat. He wasn't the kind of guy that was going to do things sinful and wrong. He was the kind of guy that said, I'm waiting and I'm going to wait on God. Have you ever got impatient and done something sinful, trying to satisfy the yearnings of your heart because you just got tired of waiting? We've all done that. Simeon, God said of Simeon, Simeon was waiting on the consolation of Israel. And God wants to teach us something. You wait on me. You wait on patiently on me. You trust that I'm going to come through in my time. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be faithful. You wait on God. And you're going to find out God is faithful. Wait. Wait on the Lord. I like action. How about you? God says, I'm going to give you strength in waiting. What's it say? But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. (laughs) They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know what we think our strength comes from? We think our strength comes from rushing to get what we want. God says real strength comes when you wait patiently on the Lord to give you what you need. Some of you have been waiting a long time. The Bible would say to you, wait, I say, on the Lord. Just keep waiting, keep trusting. God, when he looks at Simeon, he says, I want to give glory. I want to give praise. I want to say something good about this guy. This guy was just. This guy was devout. This guy was waiting. Now, God, help us. If you're in a holding pattern, you just keep holding for the glory of God. You're going to find he's faithful. If you're tempted to be discouraged because you don't have what you feel like you need this moment, you keep waiting on the Lord. You trust him and you see if God is not faithful. He is, he is, he is, he is. Just wait. Simeon was waiting on the Lord. The Bible continues in verse number 25. Scripture says this, And the Holy Ghost was upon him. The Holy Ghost was upon him, verse 26. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, look what the Bible says about Simeon. Simeon, the Bible says, the Holy Ghost was on him. Now, sometimes that's a little scary thought, uh, having a ghost on you. How many of you think it's a lot of fun to have a ghost on you? Uh, I'm going to tell you something. When you have the Holy Ghost on you, you've got a good thing. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the third part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And this is an exciting thing. God's promise he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he's told us that he will fill us with his Spirit. Let me talk to you about being filled with the Spirit. The Bible has, has a, a wonderful verse. It says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, you see the contrast in that verse? 
Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Filled, filled with the Spirit. Have you ever met somebody that was full of themselves? How many of you ever met somebody that's full of themselves? What's that mean? That means that person is controlled by themselves. That person does whatever that person wants to do. That person says whatever that person wants to say. That person goes wherever that person wants to go. Fool themselves. You met somebody that's full of themselves, right? That means they're controlled by self. How many of you ever met somebody that was full of wine? <laughs> the Bible says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. And elementary, don't be controlled by. So the Bible says, be not drunk with wine where is it success. Don't be controlled by Wine. Don't be controlled by self. Don't be controlled by lust. Don't be controlled by whatever. Don't be full of yourself. Don't be full of something that changes the way you are. Don't be controlled by that. But be full of the Spirit. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine or excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What's it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Does that mean you're convulsing in the floor somewhere? No. Being filled with the Spirit, that means that you are being controlled by God. You're being moved by God. You're being led by God. I'll just have you know something. God will work in your spirit and God will direct you. God will guide you. God will protect you. God will move in your heart. We talked about it in Sunday school today. We made mention of the fact that when your heart's in tune with the Lord and you want God's will, the Holy Spirit will prompt you and let you know when you need to deal with something, you need to do something, you need to fix something, you need to address something. God's Holy Spirit works inside of us. And the Bible just says it's not some scary thing to be full of the Holy Ghost. It's something really sweet to be controlled by the Spirit of God, to be under the control of the Spirit of God, to be in a situation where you let God direct you. Let me tell you something, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, when you have the Holy Ghost on you, like the Bible said about Simeon, you won't go certain places. You won't say certain things. You won't act a certain way because the Holy Spirit's going to be controlling and working in your life. Simeon, the Bible said, was controlled by the Holy Spirit. He had the Holy Ghost on him. And the byproduct of him having the Holy Ghost on him, this man Simeon, his person, we find it in verse number 26, because the Holy Ghost was on him, the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. God gave Simeon a promise. God said, Simeon, before you die, I'm going to let you see the Christ. Boy, can you imagine the Lord spoke to Simeon that way? And I'm sure there were, there were moments where he thought, did I hear it right, Lord? Did I hear it right, Lord? But he knew in his heart that God was going to meet his need and God was going to speak to his heart. He was looking for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting on the Savior. And God said, you're going to see him before you die. And the Bible says in verse 27 that he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the law, the custom of the law, then took he, Simeon, took he him up in his arms and blessed God. Let me see, show you what happens right here. This is a beautiful story and a beautiful picture. You've got two different groups of people. One, on one side you've got Simeon. God had told Simeon, Simeon, I'm going to lead you and you are going to see the Christ before you die. Can you imagine me and Simeon? Now this is how we act. We know God's going to meet our needs, right? I mean, he's promised that he would. 
We know God is going to be faithful. But here's Simeon. Simeon's like, God has told me that I'm going to see the Christ. Do you know the first thing I'd be asking? But Lord, hey, Lord, you didn't tell me where. You didn't tell me where. Lord, I'm going to have to have an address. I mean, Lord, I'm going to have to have a location. You're going to have to tell me where. God didn't tell him where. God just said, I'm going to do it. For Simeon, you know, we're, we're thinking, hmm, God didn't tell me when. He didn't tell me when. I don't know how long I'm going to live, but I mean, the time between now and the time I die, I hope it's a long time, but he said before I die, I was going to say, hey, Lord, you didn't tell me when. I need to know where. I need to know when. Lord, I'd kind of like to know some more details about this thing. I mean, I'm waiting. I'd like to know some. God didn't tell him and give him any details. All that Simeon knew to do was live a life that was full, controlled by the Spirit of God and obey the Lord. And so Simeon's obeying the Lord, trusting the Lord, living his life. And the Bible always says about Simeon's transaction, verse 27, he came by the Spirit into the temple. So here's Simeon. He didn't know when, he didn't know where, he didn't know how, he didn't know who. He didn't have all of his questions answered. But Simeon was trying to live for the Lord. He was a just man, a devout man. He was uh, waiting on the consolation of Israel. He was that kind of guy. He was full of the Holy Spirit. So Simeon's living his life, trying to please the Lord, just doing the best he knows how, knowing that God is going to fulfill his promise, but he don't know all the the answers to all of his questions. But one day, Simeon is filled with the Spirit. That doesn't mean he's having like a special intuition from the Holy Ghost. I mean, he's living the Christian life. And Simeon's trusting in the Lord. And one day, he's just obeying the Lord. And he goes to the temple, obeying the Lord, trusting the Lord. And God brought Simeon into the place to the greatest meeting of his life. On the other side of the story, you've got Jesus' parents. That's how the Bible refers to them. You've got Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph, can you imagine the mindset that Mary and Joseph are going through? If you've got young children, you can understand this. You look at that child and think, oh my lands, how am I going to do this? Lord, help us. <laughs> and then you think, I can't wait for them to get older so I don't have to worry about them so much. And I'm just telling you, the older they get, the harder it gets. And old people that I know are telling me that it never gets any better. That there's always concern about your children even when you're really old, and they are too, have their own grandkids, you're, that there's concern and burden that you bear for your children. Now, I want you to know something. If we're going to be dealing with this for the rest of our lives, we probably ought to take some note on how to do it. Mary and Joseph, man, they'd been through a bunch. Joseph had found out that his fiance before they were married, was expecting a child, and she said it was from God, and then uh, that's kind of odd to think about, but then God sent an angel and told Joseph that you need to accept the child, and when he's born, you need to name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sin. And, and I mean, can you think about all this that this young couple's processing? They, they go to, to pay their taxes, and, and there's no room in the inn, and so they take the baby and put him in a manger and when he's born, and crazy things start happening. Shepherds show up at the barn. And they tell a story about an angelic host praising God and 
tell him I need to go see the baby. And they follow a star, and a star moves and shows the way to. And Joseph and Mary are processing all this stuff. And they're like, we've got this baby, but we don't know what to do. Let me tell you something, if you get to the place where you think you know what to do about everything, you're probably not right. I remember, you're not right. If you think you got all this figured out, you're very not right. You are extremely deceived, and uh, Lord be with you. If you think you can read a book out of the Bible and get it all figured out, too, you're deceived. Let me tell you something, you and me and everybody need God and so you've got Joseph and Mary what a what do we do I mean how do you raise the Christ child how do you do this and so you know what Joseph and Mary did I think it's so fascinating so wonderful Joseph and Mary just did the best they knew to obey God and God's word. And so Joseph and Mary, they understand from God's law and God's word that that boy needs to be circumcised on this day. And after he's circumcised on this day, there's a length of time that that passes and he needs to be taken to the temple and we need to offer a sacrifice. We need to do, let me tell you what Joseph and Mary did. Joseph and Mary just did the very best they knew how. They tried to honor God, please God, obey God, do the right thing. And you know what the byproduct was? Joseph and Mary, they make their way to the temple the way that, being led by the Spirit of God. And then you've got Simeon coming the other direction. And guess what God does? God makes the match perfect. He crosses their path. He settles the appointment. And I want you to know something. God wants to work in your life the same way. You see, when you obey God the best you know how, when you're filled with the Spirit, God is going to put things and people in your path, and he's going to make out of your life what you can't. I remember as a teenager, I wanted to know where to go to school when I graduated from high school. That was the first big thing I remember praying about. And God put together all the pieces and led me in a plain path. I'm thankful how God led me. I remember going off to college and I knew God had called me to preach and I wanted to pastor. And you know what a pastor needs? A pastor needs a wife. And I remember praying and sometimes even getting fretful and fearful about maybe not being in the right place at the right time to meet the right person. But let me tell you what happened. I followed the Lord the best I knew how. And Ruth Ann Thomas, a little cute little girl from Indianapolis, Indiana, you know what she did? She followed the Lord the best she knew how. You know what God did? God put all the pieces together. And God put us at the same spot at a Walmart on the first day of college. (laughs) He began the process of giving me the greatest treasure that he's ever given me. And you think, Lord, what do you want me to do for ministry? I don't know what to do. I'll tell you, it's so funny. When Ruth and I were getting ready to graduate from college, everybody asked you, you know, when you're a senior in college, everybody asks you, what are you going to do when you graduate from college? Well, I had my answer. My answer was this. I said, I'm going to marry Ruth, and I'll do anything but work with teenagers. I told people that forever. I mean, that, I mean, I probably said it a hundred times. Cody, what are you going to do? I'm going to marry Ruth, and I'll do anything but work with teenagers. Do you know what God did? I had one of them right and one of them dead wrong. I married Ruth on June the 12th, 2004, and in two weeks, 
I became the youth director at Temple Baptist Church in Powell, Tennessee. God dropped me on my head right in the middle of a situation that I was scared to death. You know, I was scared to death of snot-nosed teenagers. Teenagers are the meanest suckers that ever lived. I was scared to death of them. You know what God did? <laughs> Look at that. I'm just kidding. Kind of. I was intimidated. But you know what God did? God dropped me right on my head, right where I needed to be, where I learned to love to work with young people and love to work with teenagers. And I love children. And I love kids. And I love teenagers. I still do. I look. I'm the pastor of the Chihuahua Baptist Church. And I was out playing gotcha at 11.30 the other night after a basketball game. That's just, that's fun. That's fun. I love it. But I'm saying all this to tell you this. God, we don't have all the answers. And we don't know how to do everything that's coming our, our way. But let me tell you something. God does. And Simeon, when we look at Simeon, God's going to give us something. And God's going to reassure your heart if you'll let him. That if you'll just be led and filled and controlled by the Spirit of God, if you'll do the best you can to obey God's Word and you just want God and God's will and God's best, you know what God's going to do? God's going to lead you and He's going to make the appointment and the, the moment's going to come together like it did for Simeon and like it did for Joseph and Mary and they're going to come together and God is going to encourage you and help you and He's going to make those divine appointments true. You see, you don't have to fear Missing the will of God when you want the will of God. You can trust Him. And God is going to lead you. And God's going to protect you. And God's going to guide you. And God did just that for Simeon. And God did just that for Joseph and Mary. And God does a mighty work. You see the meeting between Simeon and Jesus and Mary and Joseph. It was the product of a group of people obeying God. An obedience product is awesome. God's good like that. Number one, his, what was it? Person. It's been so long. His person. Number two, his praise. Don't be scared. The last two are twice as long. Uh, his praise. Verse 28. The Bible says, then, he, then took he him up in his hand, his arms, and blessed God. Here we have Simeon. You see, Simeon, he's got Jesus in his arms. And the Bible says he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Verse 29, he begins to praise the Lord. Simeon fades into the shadows as we exalt Jesus that the rest of this passage of Scripture. The Bible says in verse 29, he says to the Lord, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen Thy salvation. Let me tell you something. Simeon's one of the very first people in the New Testament to take Christ, to embrace Jesus, and have consolation and promise and comfort in the fact that he can leave this world and die in peace. Let me tell you something. You can't die in peace without Jesus. And Simeon, he praised the Lord because he had Jesus. He said, now that I've got Christ, the Christ child, I can die in peace. I can depart in peace because mine eyes have seen thy salvation. The way it says in verse 30, mine eyes have seen what? Thy salvation. Let me tell you something. God has provided the only means of salvation. 
Simeon says it right. He says, Lord, it's thy salvation. And when we read John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Where does salvation go? It comes from only the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes only from God. And if you think somehow you can save yourself by some other means, you're dead wrong. You've got to have Jesus. He cried out and praised the Lord. He praises God. He says, he says, I can die in peace. I've seen your salvation. Verse 31, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. He says, listen, I see your salvation. It's available for all people. In verse 32, he says, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. He says, Jesus, this baby, this Messiah, this Savior, this Jesus He's a light to lighten. He says, he says this baby's going to lighten up the dark, sin-cursed, Gentile world, the light. Now, I don't know that the lights on the Christmas tree originated from the idea that Jesus is the light of the world. Who knows? They may have come from some pagan roots. I don't know. But let's do this. When you see the extra lights at Christmas time, when you think about, see a candle burning in the window as the old song goes, you remember something. You remember that God sent Jesus as the light of the world to lighten the Gentiles. I'm so thankful that Jesus is the bright light in a dark, sin-cursed world. And God gave Simeon a heart to praise the Lord. He says, Lord, you've sent this baby. He's a light to the Gentiles. And the Bible continues there in verse number 33. Sorry, yes, verse number 32. And the glory of thy people, Israel, the glory of God's people, is the Lord Jesus. Oh, it's so sweet. We've considered his praise. And finally, number three, his prophecy. Now, the scene changes again just a little bit. Simeon's holding the baby. You see, at first of all, God tells us about Simeon. And then you see Simeon look at the baby and he praises God for the light of the Gentiles. And then Simeon holds the baby and he looks at Mary. He looks at Mary and... Here's what happens next. The Bible says, as he's praising the Lord, Joseph and his mother, Mary, marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Now, pay attention to verse 30. Joseph and his mother. That's an important verse in the Bible. Joseph and his mother. Notice it didn't say his father and his mother. It says Joseph and his mother. Jesus was not the son of Joseph. He was the son of Mary and the son of God, not Joseph. And Joseph, his mother, marveled at those things. Think about that for just a minute. Can you imagine all that's going on in their heads? They've already met the, the shepherds. They're, they're now meeting up with a, uh, a man named Simeon who's praising the Lord and prophesying now over Jesus. It won't be long until, uh, it'll, it'll be a, a little bit, but not terribly long until they meet up with the wise men. And, I mean, the story continues, and his whole life is going to be like this. But now Simeon looks at Mary, verse 34, and gives this prophecy. He says, Simeon blessed them, bless you Joseph, bless you Mary, and said unto Mary's mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. The first thing that Simeon says, he looks at Mary and he says, Listen, behold. This child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel. What in the world does that mean? Well, I think it's quite simple. 
Simeon said, this child is set for the fall and rise of many in Israel. You can't help but think about it. As Jesus came and lived his life, many fell and many rose because of him. Let's give you a couple examples. You remember Judas Iscariot? Judas Iscariot was exposed to the ministry and the inner workings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he betrayed the Lord and rejected the Savior. The fall. But Peter, what about Peter? Oh, Peter, he was apostle too, and Peter was perfect. No, he wasn't. Peter messed up all the time. But you know what Peter did that was different than the Judas? Peter repented. And when Peter repented of his sin and trusted in Christ, guess what happened? We see the rising of Peter, and God uses him in a big way. There was a fall and the rise. He said, Simeon said to Mary, let me tell you something about this baby. Because of him, there will be the falling and rising of many in Israel. It continues, the prophecy says in verse 34, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of men in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Now, that's kind of interesting. Someone that I was reading in a commentary said that the word sign was literally like a target to be shot at. A sign. He was, he was a sign which shall be spoken against. He was the person that would be the recipient of so much criticism. You think about Jesus. You had in the folks that saw Jesus, they, they loved him or they rejected him. He was a sign to be spoken against. And so many of the nation of Israel rejected him. He came to his own. His own received him not. But as many as received him, to him gave him power to become the sons of God. He said, he said he's a sign to be spoken against. He said, Mary, let me tell you something. Many will rise, many will fall. He'll be spoken against. And the scripture continues in verse number 34, 35. So he looks at Mary, he says, Mary, yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. Think about that for just a minute. Simeon looked at Mary and he said, Mary, a sword will pierce through your own soul. You think about all that Mary went through. There's no record that Joseph is still alive when Jesus is crucified. I can't help but wonder if uh, the father instincts of a man like Joseph having to watch his son go through such grief and torture. I think God in grace called Joseph home before Jesus went to the cross. I know one thing. The man flesh in me would want to fight. God warned Mary when Jesus was just a, baby, just a baby. He said, Mary, sword will pierce through your soul. And you can imagine. But you can only begin to imagine just a speck of the grief that Mary must have borne as she stood on Golgotha's hill and her son was hanging on the cross, paying for the price, the sins of the world. Jesus hanging there and Mary at the cross. Mary knew in her heart that, that boy had never done anything wrong. Mary knew in her heart that that boy was rich in love and mercy and grace. and Yet she watched him. And Simeon said, Mary, a sword will pierce through your soul. But he says, but it won't be without purpose. Look what it says. I love this. Verse 35, yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. That... The thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. He says there's a sword going to be pierced through your soul and it's going to be grievous to bear, Mary. 
but it has a purpose. Let me remind you of something. There's no suffering in the life of God's people that is not designed by God to make us better. Don't forget it. There's no exception. I, I know it's hard. I, and there's moments in my own life where I think, why in the world am I having to go through this? And there's even more often moments where I'm thinking, why in the world are they having to go through this? And I look at Mary and I say, oh, Mary. Oh, the sword in your soul. Why, Lord? And God sent a messenger through Simeon and said, Mary, there's a sword going to pierce through your soul. That with a purpose. And the purpose is this. He says, there's going to a sword pierce through your soul. That the thoughts. You see that? Verse 35. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Let's leave the baby that day in the temple. And let's go all in our mind's eye. To the day that Jesus is being tried. There's Herod. Herod. Here's the case and knows the Christ. But Herod, what's he do? He rejects the Lord. What's happening? The heart of Herod is being revealed for us all to see. He's rejected the Lord Jesus. How about Pilate? You remember Pilate on the day that Jesus was tried? Pilate, you watch Pilate. Pilate's a little squirmy. Pilate's trying to, to keep from having any blood on his hands. Pilate's just trying to play the politician. Pilate's trying to, trying to make everybody happy. But you know what happens on that day? Pilate, by not choosing Christ, his heart is revealed. You're going to watch Jesus as he carries his own cross Cruel Golgotha. It's fun to think about it. I'm confident on that day that the Holy Ghost was moving in people's hearts. And people were, as Jesus walked by, I'm confident that there were people who were rising. And their hearts were being revealed that I'm going to trust in that man. I'm going to trust in his miracles. I'm going to trust in his work. I can see what he's doing. And there were others who scoffed and mocked. Spit on him. What was happening? Mary's heart was being pierced through, but the hearts of many were being revealed. And as Jesus hung on the cross that day, one man on one side blasphemed him, cursed him. His heart was being revealed. But on the other side, Another thief, he cried out in faith, believing, trusting in Jesus. What happened? His heart was being revealed. You see, God told Mary through Simeon, she said, Mary, your heart, your soul is going to be pierced through. That, it has a purpose. Folks, I'm thankful that God sent us our Savior. You're here today and Maybe you've had some nominal faith. Yeah, I'm a Christian. 
Has, you've, have you allowed Jesus to change your life? Have you come to the place where you realize that you were a sinner and that your sin condemned you and that you needed Jesus and you had to have Jesus? Have you come to the place where you're willing to repent of your sins and get saved, born again? That's why Jesus came. And Simeon preached the message to Mary. She said, Mary, it's going to be grievous to be born, but because of the work of this child as our Messiah and King and Lord, the hearts of many will be revealed. You saved. I'll put your trust in the Lord. I don't know about you, but there's lots to learn from Simeon. God used Simeon in a big way. If you're saved, you should strive to be like Simeon. If you're here today, you've never been saved. As the Holy Spirit is moments showing you that you're a sinner. Oh, I pray that you'll make that right. You'll repent of your sins and trust in Christ and Christ alone. You'll be so glad you did. Father, we ask.